It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement on a Tuesday evening, and I had to take a break. To be honest, I just had to get away from college football, and that is what I did after Friday night. For those of us that joined us Friday night, you would have seen a very angry carp, if I can use the third person, at the end of the game. I was more bemused than anything for much of the third quarter. And then as the fourth quarter drug on, I thought, you know, Illinois is going to find a way to win this game, and it's going to be ugly, but a win is a win, 2-0. and And then it ended in very disappointing fashion, as we all saw. Now, there are many things to take away from that game. I'm going to start macro as we get into this podcast and then get into the micro. And actually, I think there's more good news with the micro than there is the macro. But for my experience Friday night, the reason that I got so ticked off is that I feel bamboozled, which I shouldn't be. I know what the existence of an Illini football fan is like, and yet I still allowed myself to go down that rabbit hole of excitement and feeling like this team would play clean football and that they would let the other team make the mistakes and get in their own way. Well, the exact opposite happened. The kind of game that we saw Friday is actually, in a way, more maddening than some of the Lovey Smith things because you saw competence and you felt like, okay, we've maybe put things together, only to have the rug pulled out from under you at the end of it. And yet that feeling is all too familiar. It's the Charlie Brown football thing where you should have known better. And yet as a 35-year-old, I allowed myself to get excited. So the big takeaway for me personally at the end of that game was what is wrong with me? How am I allowing a bunch of 21, 22-year-olds to dictate my mood? Because I'll be honest, at the end of that game, I was ticked. It was hard for me to go to sleep. I eventually went to sleep at you know midnight, something like that. And even when I woke up, I still had the vision of the high tower touchdown that wasn't in my mind. And I thought, I've been doing this too damn long. I mean, going back to the Michigan game in 2000, I've been doing this you know, diehard fan thing where the returns have not justified the energy that I put in. And often on this podcast, I've talked about that very thing. The energy that we put in, is it being matched by the product on the field or on the court? Now, recently with basketball, it has been, and that's great. And I am all on board with basketball. That is what I grew up on. And I mean it when I say that if Illinois basketball is good, I'm okay. You know, I'll be fine. I can stomach a bad football season. But in the moment, it really stinks. And it doesn't matter how many times these disappointing endings happen. It's just, it, it is, I'd say you can laugh at it, but you really can. If you were invested in that game, which I think if you're on the Twitch thread or if you are a consistent listener of this podcast, you were invested in that game. It wasn't something that you just turned off the TV at the end of it and said, oh, ho-hum, a loss, but we'll get him next time. Because unfortunately in football, there aren't that many next times. It's the feeling that you missed an opportunity and maybe a necessary opportunity if you want to make a bowl game this year. And if they finish five and seven, and that is my fear right now, finish five and seven, then we're looking at that game specifically. Four hours. You heard me complain and just rant and rave about how long that game was. No sporting event should feel like a marathon. And that's what it felt like. It wasn't even an entertaining game in a lot of ways to watch, only entertaining in just how ridiculous it was. But it drug on and on. Officiating is ruining college football. The commercials are ruining college football. And the only thing that actually gives me some saving grace is that 
these players are starting to finally be able to make money because God knows FS1 made plenty from Applebee's and whatever other crap they were selling us on Friday night. I find the whole experience to be a drag. And that even goes sometimes to the game day experience, which we'll talk about, leaving you with this Catch-22. You can watch it on TV in the comfort of your own home and still have these games drag out to four hours. Or you can go to the stadium and factor in the 20 minutes to walk in and the 20 minutes to walk out and then basically call it a five-hour commitment if you want to be in the stadium and see every play. There's a reason people leave in the fourth quarter. There's a reason people don't show up until the second quarter, though some of that was external. <laughs> you know, I think most people wanted to be there at the start of the Wyoming game. So you take all that together, and what I'm really left with is, oh my God, I hate this product of college football. And I watched all of maybe three minutes of college football on Saturday, and thank goodness for the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. And if you're a rock fan, you would have tuned in or at least seen the clips of it. The Foo Fighters did this tribute show to their drummer who passed away back in March, I think. And, you know, there's the connection I have for having been on the stage with them. So it was kind of surreal to see Dave Grohl leading his band. And then even a picture I have right here next to me, it's Dave Grohl and then Taylor Hawkins behind me. So as I'm watching that on Saturday, I'm reminded that of an adage that I've kind of come up with, and I don't know how many people live by this, but concerts and music specifically never let me down. I've seen mediocre Dave Matthews band shows, or I've seen mediocre concerts, but I've never walked out of a concert with the same feeling I had at the end of a disappointing Illinois loss. The argument with sports is that when the wins happen, it feels that much better. It feels like elation. But I'm at a point now with Illinois football where it just feels like relief. And God dang it, I, I'm too old for that crap. So the plan for me on Saturday, despite Illinois being favored, despite the fact that if they beat Virginia, they're basically on track with what I thought they needed to be, which was 3-1 and one after the first four games. We're assuming they beat Chattanooga. And I think they will. I actually don't even think this Illinois team's bad, right? I think we saw some things on Friday that we should be optimistic about. But my game day experience on Saturday is going to be staying in the lots. I can't, I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to do it. I need to see a little more consistency. I need to see a little less stupidity. I need to see players like Taz Nicholson and Calvin Avery not just randomly push guys to the ground. That, that makes me so livid. I can't even tell you. It, it just drives me nuts. I need to see fifth-year seniors like Luke Ford hold the block so Chase Brown doesn't get his head nearly chopped off. I need to see the non-stupid things more consistently for me to say, you know what, I'm going to go in there and watch them potentially lose to Virginia. Because even if I went in there and they beat Virginia, I'd be happy. But does that match the energy I put in even walking into the stadium and presumably waiting? Now, you may be saying, Carp, calm down, man. Why are you so angry today? It's, it's not anger as much as it is kind of despair, which is a very dramatic word. I understand that. Despair that even when Illinois seems to have figured one thing out, which I think the coaching staff is still solid. I'm, it's not like I'm down on the coaching staff that much after what happened Friday. Even though I feel good about that, they're still going to find ways to lose. And until I see otherwise, isn't that kind of the MO that I need to go with? Illinois football will find ways to lose. And I can't wait until the day, and I hope to God it happens, where we think the opposite. That, oh, well, actually, no, they, they know how to win. I hope that's what happens. I just don't have much faith in that being the case.
Now, on that down note, there is a football game to be played on Saturday, and we're going to get all into that, and it is a winnable game. Vegas has Illinois up upwards of four and a half, even five-point favorites against a Virginia team that blew the doors off of us last year. I don't see it, but you know what? That's why the games are played, and Vegas might know a little something. The fact the line is moving in Illinois' favor, I, I don't know. I want to hit this up from Big Toto real quick, and you kind of match my thoughts here, I think, as well. I want to lessen my investment, but how do you do that after 30 or more years as an Illini fan? I'm with you on that. I'm so invested in basketball that I still watched every game I could, even through the years, and now that investment is being paid off. I have to hold on to the hope that eventually football will pay off the same way. And that's why, even if I don't go in the stadium, Big Tota, I'm going to watch. I got to. It's, it's just there. If it's on TV, if I have any ways to access watching the game, I'm going to watch it. That's it. Uh, it's in the blood, right? And I hope, like you mentioned there, that somebody does pay off. And as Stephen Colbert 27 says, maybe the real Stephen Col- Colbert will never know. What drives me the most crazy was seeing the basic competence on offense for so much of the game and just failing in the big moments. And that's the thing. They were competent. Stephen Colbert 27, they were competent on offense. But the thing that I've kind of used as a refrain since the Bielema era began. Consistent competence. And the one thing they were not on Friday was consistent. That led to a loss in a game that they frankly should not have lost. All right, let's hit up the sponsors real quick before I get too far into this. The 200 Level is brought to you by DPDO. Online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com. Custom zones with any topping you want. Favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. And even though students are back, don't let that dissuade you from ordering DP Doe because they do deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. These guys are the best. It's been 16-plus years since they opened up, and there's a reason they're still around. DPDoe.com. Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com for all your home exterior projects. Even as we enter the cooler months, do not let that dissuade you from getting a free quote on your next home exterior project from the guys at Rector Construction. Great customer service. Isaac Ambrose worked there, for example, so you know it's, it's good dudes working over there. Expert craftsmanship, and they're also really good at giving back to the community. As a townie, I appreciate that. They've been with us now two-plus years. We appreciate the support, and you should support our friends at RectorConstruction.com. New this year, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing out of Paxton. 6% off your next furnace check, which we're going to have to do as well. If you just mentioned the 200 level, 6% because they think Illinois will make a bowl. I still think they will. Dogtown, I don't want to jump ship after two games. I liked a lot of what I saw. Regardless, as we get in those cooler months, you want to make sure that your furnace is actually working. And these guys, while based out of Paxton, serve all of East Central Illinois. I'm going to trust them with my HVAC stuff going forward, as many people already have. So go online and find Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing and schedule your furnace check today. Just mention the 200 level when you do. And State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. Insurance cards came in today. It took them all of three business days to get my request for a new insurance card and get the actual printed ones to my doorstep. And that was after it only took them three minutes to send me a temp card. All that to say, Brian is the best. His staff on top of things. They are super quick at getting back to you, whatever your insurance needs may be. And on top of that, you get great State Farm prices. So I cannot recommend Brian enough, not just as a guy, but as my guy at brianismyguy.com. I'm on I Inquire, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners with the 200 level. Uh, we're still on Twitch. 
And I want to thank those that are tuning in on a random Tuesday evening. And the thing is, you know, we have the 50 plus subscribers needed on YouTube to do YouTube Live. For some reason, YouTube is being a little slow getting back to me and clearing the account for that. So for the time being, we will continue to podcast on Twitch. We hope to get over to YouTube Live sooner rather than later. And that way, when these videos are done, it just immediately uploads. And beginning tonight, I'll get these videos up on YouTube to stay. The last couple, I don't know if I'm going to worry about it at this point. I've had a harder time processing it. I think I got that system down. All in all, all these new wrinkles that we're adding the 200 level, I think about three weeks it took me to get a hold of everything, and I think we're good now. All right, I want to hit up here uh, a few texts on the thread. First from Big Tota 78 Exactly. I will watch and watch every second of every game, no matter how angry and full of despair I get. I will say this. Uh, there was a time, Big Tota, where I did not. The Beckman era and parts of the Lovey era, I just I checked out. I'd have the game on, but if you were to ask me what happened in the Northwestern game, Lovey's second year. If you recall, I think Illinois had a touchdown drive to start with Cam Thomas, a quarterback, and then they lost 42-7 to or something like that. I don't remember a single other thing that happened that game. The, the lovey years are sort of like a, a drinking person's lost weekend. It, they were there, and you know things happened. You just aren't entirely sure what exactly happened. It was the lost weekend of Illinois football, except there wasn't nearly enough drinking to make it fun. It was just a complete drag, a lost weekend without the buzz of a nice drink. But to your point, Big Tota, yeah, I'm watching the games now. I'm, I'm invested again in a way that I w- have not been probably since the Zook era. This is from Stephen Colbert, 27. As far as for expectations, I've grown up with Illinois being awful for basically as long as I've paid attention. First memories going to the games was the year after the Rose Bowl, so it's usually hard to muster up any hope. Stephen Colbert, which Rose Bowl? 07? Because if you said 83, 84, that Rose Bowl season, you at least had the Makovic era. But I'm, if you're a younger guy, 07, okay. This is the tricky thing for younger fans. And you're younger than I am, I presume. Because I started going to games in 2000 when I was a, let's see, eighth grade. Because freshman year was when they made the Sugar Bowl. Started going in 2000. They went five and six that year. And that was the Michigan fumble game at home, which was devastating. That was the Ohio State home closer or whatever you want to call it where Kurt Kittner got leveled by Mike Doss and the air just went out of the stadium two absolutely crushing losses at home and it felt like that program was so darn close to turning the corner and then they had the sugar bowl year and it felt like we finally did it and then he won five wins one win three wins to end the Ron Turner experience so for older fans like my dad and his generation sorry dad that makes you sound older than you actually are but The 83-84 season, and then really the Mike White era as a whole, which reinvigorated the program despite kind of ending with a thud, leading into the Makovic years where you were consistently very good. Well, I don't have that, and I've still yet to experience, except for a few, on one hand I could count, the full-on tailgate and game experiences that you might have experienced back in the mid-80s, right? The Michigan 2000 game is still the most insane atmosphere I've been in for a football game, at least in a Illini football game, because when the Bears were down here, those crowds were insane. <laughs> they were nuts, and I mean that in the best way possible. I loved when the Bears were in town, despite them stinking that year. But there's not enough of those. This leads me to my first point about the macro. Why Friday really bummed me out, more so than just a loss on the field, which that is a bummer. 
But why it really bummed me out was just by getting a win at any means necessary, you would have had some buzz in the lots on Saturday. You would have had more buzz. I'll be there regardless. I'm going to get to the lots early, get my spot, stake it out, go for a run, come back, and start probably tailgating at 10, 10.30 in the morning. So it'll be a full day. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love every second of it. But I'm not going to love it as much as I would if Illinois were 2-0. And I think that goes for a lot of fans. It also goes for the casual fans that might have said, you know what? What the heck? I'll go to the game. I'll go tailgate. This team's 2-0. It's a game in which they're favored to beat Virginia, even after what happened against Indiana. And Brett Bielema seems like a good coach. Like All these factors were pushing maybe the casual fan off the couch and to the stadium on what looks to be a beautiful Saturday in September. That's not going to happen now. Because as I said Friday, if me, the diehard, cut from the diehard cloth, right, is not even interested in going to the stadium, and I'll be transparent, part of that is this sort of like defense mechanism. I will not get hurt as bad if I'm just watching it on TV and occasionally making sarcastic comments watching it with my friends at the tailgate. That that has been a defense mechanism for a long time. Just kind of poke fun at the stupid stuff in the company of your friends, have a good time, share some food, share some drinks on a beautiful Saturday. Can't do that in the stadium. In the stadium, you must be that much more invested. And that can be fun. Like in the Wyoming game, that was such a competent performance. I had a great time despite there not being a ton of explosive plays or anything. But for the casual fan, your reasons for coming out just evaporated. And I hate that. I hate it for so many people. I hate it for Brett Bielema because we are really putting on him and his shoulders decades of disappointment. That loss hurt not just, oh, well, it was another close loss for Brett Bielema. And that's part of it. But no, it it hurt mostly because for those that have been watching for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, it's the same crap. Just, just mildly different. There's a few variables, but ultimately you lose. That, that, that's the end result. And people are sick of that. So in a way, I feel bad for Brett Bielema that he is definitely shouldering fan disappointment that predates his arrival. I feel bad for the players because overall there were more players that did good things on Friday than not. And there is some talent there, we saw it. I mean, that the, what made that game so frustrating is we looked like the better team. And I think even Indiana fans would say we got away with one. And they did. They did because Indiana stinks. And I think we might be okay. But you know what? We found a way to lose. And that can happen more than once in a given year. So it just keeps people away. It keeps the energy from reaching the levels that I would love it to reach. And selfishly speaking, it just takes a little bit of wind out of the sails where I'll be there, but it's not going to be as much fun going 2-1. and one. If they win, then it would be if they were 3-0. and oh. That would be genuine excitement. But what's going to happen is even if they beat Virginia, which would still be great, and they need to beat Virginia, by the way. This is a must-win game. It just is now. And maybe this team uses that to their benefit. I, I think they might. I, I'll make a prediction later. But, but even if they go 2-1. and one, And even if they look impressive against Virginia, it's going to take time for Illinois fans to not feel like, okay, when is the rug going to be pulled out yet again? And what is the new, crazy, creative way that this team is going to break our hearts? That's my fear. And I, for those that listen to the podcast, for basketball, 
I deliberately, two years ago, the COVID year, I deliberately said, you know what? They're just going to be great. That's just what it is. And I said that about last year's team. And on the whole, they backed it up. There were disappointments. Sure, there was the Loyola game. Um, that That's an all-time disappointment for Illinois basketball. There were games in the non-conference last year with this last year's team where you thought, where the hell are they going? But overall, those were two really good Illinois basketball seasons, and they're primed for many more. So I took this approach that, no, I'm not going to do the Murphy's Law Illinois fan thing of we're going to get screwed over because there's no science that would back that up. There's no science that would back that up. Ultimately, the reason that Illinois football hasn't been good is they just haven't had good enough coaches and good enough players. And we could argue about all these other variables and little factors that have probably contributed to it. And you can go back to the slush fund or all the Juco nonsense by the end of the Mike White era, or the end of the Turner era when he decided to start Dustin Ward instead of John Butcher in a game that if you would have won against Missouri, you would have went bowling and maybe you sustained something, or the myriad of disappointments in the Ron Zook era because he wasn't a very good coach. But here's the common theme, right? The coaching and the players, just not good enough. So now that we have competent coaching, I want to do with football like I do with basketball. I want to say, you know what? Screw that. I'm not going to assume the worst. I'm not going to assume the worst. But how can I do that with a program that that is what it is? How can I do that with this Illinois football program? That is the battle I'm fighting internally. And if it sounds like, okay, Carp, you're way too philosophical here for a sport. I understand. But given how I felt after a four-hour football game, the exhaustion the despair. I, I, I've been really reflecting on, okay, how much energy am I going to put into this? And also what mindset am I going to put in? And I settled on this. I'm staying on the lots. I'm going to kind of let them figure it out. I'm not going to abandon ship, but I'm not going to get fully on board either. And Matt is out of self-defense. From Alani Brickroll, um, I was more frustrated by the stupid mistakes than anything else. That always feel more, feels more controllable, and I hope we clean it up. And Illini Brick Girl, I think they can. I think in many ways they will, beginning on Saturday. The penalties in the first two games, I think there were similar issues last year. And they did clean that up. It is an older team. To me, Illini Brick Girl, beyond the eight penalties, which that's a lot, 81 yards to, I think, 35 for Indiana. You could say that's the game. Four turnovers to their two turnovers. Minus two in the margin, that's the game. Brian Hightower getting a touchdown, Plain and simple, that was, of course, a big part of the game as well. But as bad as the refs were, and boy, did they suck. I mean, college officiating is a joke, and it it drives me nuts. These guys are incompetent boobs. They're doofuses, and I will call them silly, childish names, which as a middle school teacher, maybe I should not. I should model better behavior, but they drive me up a wall, especially when they congregate in six or seven, and they still can't get it right, especially when they go to a replay and they still can't get it right. These guys are incompetent doofuses. That's the word I'm going to go with, or the words I'm going to go with. Now, Big Tota, I fully agree with, I think this is a point I made earlier, Tota, casual fans don't have the same fanatical drive that those of us who are just gluttons for punishment do. And I don't want to be a glutton for punishment, Big Tota, but doesn't it feel that way? like an abusive relationship, and I'm not trying to make a joke, or obviously abusive relationships are a very serious matter, Uh, but manipulative relationships even, where you allow yourself to stay in something that you know against your better judgment you shouldn't stay in. 
the problem with sports, what's so weird about it is that even when they don't give you much in return, it's hard to pull away. I pulled away from the Yankees this year. And that's because they're the same damn team with the same manager and the same GM and they're doing the same things they've done for five years. I've seen that movie before. Not so much with Illinois football because every year is completely different. So there, there's that weird difference where pro sports teams often you're just kind of year to year. There's a lot of similarities. College, there is much more upheaval, especially now. And Big Tota says expect a three and nine season every year and six and six will blow your mind. Man, if... I think the four for Bielema should be five and seven. I think that's, that should be the four. And occasionally that will happen because we, we just are simply not Wisconsin yet. He would have to build this up to avoid a five and seven. But by God, Big Tota, if that's what we end up with after that Indiana game, I'm going to be so pissed off. I, I can't even begin. That would drive me up a wall. So macro concern, you're keeping people away. You're keeping people away. And then after the experience of week zero with getting in the stadium and what a pain that was, even the people that are diehards have less reasons to go. I'm right now in a state of show me. And I'm rooting for them. I, I so badly want them to win Saturday, and I think they might. And I want them to get to six wins, and I still think they might. They might even get to seven. Did you see some of the other teams play on Saturday? I didn't watch the Iowa game, but I'm sorry. They stink. Relatively speaking, they'll finish seven and five. They might even finish eight and four, but you get them early enough this year where in years past, you're playing them in November when Kirk Ferentz has that thing figured out. I like how early you're playing them. There's other teams, Minnesota, and we don't really know yet. Purdue can't run. I don't think their defense is great, but that's going to be a challenge. It is at home though. What I would love to start this week against Virginia is turning this into a true home field advantage. Probably not going to get that with crowd noise or anything. But just starting to rack up home wins. Rutgers last year, not so good. But Northwestern, that was a good way to end it. Wyoming, good way to start it. Can you win this non-conference game at home? Can you win then after that three, right? Three, maybe four other home games? I don't know. If you can somehow only lose one more home game the rest of the way, you're going to a bowl, right? I would assume that loss would be Michigan State for sure. But everything else is... Everything else is right there for you. Hot take from Big Toto, we beat Iowa by 30. Well, I'll take three. I'll beat them by any means necessary. I'll beat them 7-3 to three like they just beat South Dakota, even without any touchdowns scored. But you know what? I actually do like the matchup there. As we saw last November, Big Toto, it was a fairly competitive game throughout, and Illinois just couldn't run the ball. Iowa's defense is still stout, but yeah, I think with a quarterback, and I think Illinois might have a quarterback, that we can beat Iowa this year. But I, after the Indiana game, I'm not going to go so far as to say we will. All right, let's get into some of these uh, things that I got. I got notes. I got notes. If I can somehow get to these darn notes. Will it let me open it? Yes, okay. want to get some quotes from Bielema. Talking about the game day experience, he said, those who come to the game on Saturday, I think are going to see a very motivated football team to be successful and hopefully have good results for Saturday. Okay. For those who do, maybe 37,000, 38,000. Actually, in the stadium, that's another question. But paid attendance, I'd be surprised if it was more than 38. I think a win against Indiana would have gotten it to 45. And if you want to talk about the swing of what it could have been to how many people are actually going to go to the stadium, be in it, I think that's going to be kind of alarming. And that's too bad. That's, that is a big frustration with Friday's game. This is from Bielema. 
I was very clear with my coaches on Saturday. We got back really, really late Friday night, early Saturday morning, however you want to look at it. I'm extremely disappointed for our roster and for our staff. I'm not disappointed in our roster or our staff. There's a big difference. I think it's easy in moments like that to get caught up in the negativity, and there's a lot of things we can't correct. Uh, Bielema right there might be talking about afterwards. These are college kids. Some of them got on Twitter. Some of them got some nasty things. Luke Ford, who I've been very critical of as a player, got some very mean-spirited, like, personal messages, which I would never send a mean personal message to one of these kids. You could say, well, Carp, are you being a hypocrite by criticizing their on-field play? And there may be something to that. There is a weird discomfort that I have the older I get in picking out an individual college player and saying they just aren't cutting it right now. But uh, the criticism I have of Luke Ford and his on-field performance is that it does not match up with much of the bluster that he displays off of it. Regardless of that, the messages he got, and I'm sure those are only a few, were pretty nasty. Uh, you see Brian Hightower say that was a catch, and that's great. And, you know, he's 100% right. These are college kids reacting afterwards, and I get it. They were frustrated. But that right there, B. Lamar, as he mentions, not, you know, not allowing negativity to kind of creep in. I got to think that might have been part of what he was thinking of. It is only natural to want to go onto Twitter afterwards and see, well, what do people think of the, what do people think of the game? And to see some of the things that they saw probably fed in that negativity. Now, uh, this is a quote continued here. And I thought this was interesting. Bielema says, one of the things I really issued a challenge to our players when we kind of made our team goals in the fall, and they talked about what they want to do and what they want to become. One of the things they were glowingly talking about during that process is, coach, you've taught us to do certain things. That's just kind of who we are and what we do. We don't necessarily need that to be a goal. Since day one, I've talked about before we start winning games, we've got to stop losing them. He gets it. He gets it. I hear a quote like that, and it shouldn't be, oh, wow, a quote. I'm on the Bielema train. I really do think is a good coach. I'm glad he's here. I like the staff. That quote, to me, gives me a lot more faith, right? It, it, it says everything you need to know about winning in the Big Ten West. You just let the other team lose. Do your thing. Don't suck. Don't make mistakes. The other team will. And while that might not be the most exciting brand of football and might lead to some conservative trends, I don't care. The Wyoming game was conservatively played, and he still beat them 38-6. to I'll take a conservatively played 24-20 to win, as it should have probably been on Friday night. Even with all the mistakes, you still should have won that game. But gosh darn it, he is so right. Before we start winning games, we've got to stop losing them. You aren't going to put that on a poster and have the guys slap it like Notre Dame players slap, play like a champion today. Probably wouldn't cut it in terms of motivation, but it's the truth. In college football, it is a game of, well, how to put it? These are young men that aren't always the best of the best of the best and mentally aren't always the sharpest of the sharp, and they're going to make mistakes 99% of them won't play professional football. So just kind of sit back, do your thing, and let the other guys screw up. More often than not, that's going to get you to a bowl game, and that's why Friday night was so out of character for what you expect from Brett Bielema and his teams. Uh, Let's see. This is something about the rebounding from a loss. Bielema says, I think it's just human nature, to be quite honest. The whole bus ride home, Saturday was our player's day off. I met with coaches and let them have a minute to process it. 
That afternoon we met and went over it and I said, this is one of the worst parts of our job is to have to come in after a tough loss. You care about your roster and you know how much it matters to them, but you have to correct the moments. As coaches, we have to correct some things, obviously as well. I tell you, players always bring you back. It's an old true saying. The youth in your players and the vibrance that they have and the understanding they have to correct mistakes is really at a high level. A year ago, I didn't know if it was. Oh, he says, excuse me, a year ago, I didn't know if it was, okay, they're just listening to me and they're nodding their head and agreeing. Now I know the passion. This, to me, will be the ultimate test as to whether or not this team goes the the way of last year's team where you win one, you lose one, right? And that's essentially what they did all year and they just happen to lose one more. Or if they have a second half like last year beginning now. What if, as opposed to the time it took after the UTSA game, and it took a while. I mean, Virginia got smoked. Early Big Ten games, Maryland. Should have won it. You blew it. Well, look at last year, right? If you would have just won the Maryland game or the Purdue game, you're going to a bowl. A Rutgers game you could throw in there as well. If the process to figure that out takes a little less time than last year, right? If this game against Indiana can be sort of a turning point where, okay, you did some of the things you were doing last year that caused us to lose seven games, we're correcting it now. Beginning right now. Then that should be enough to stem the bad losses from happening and to just sneak out the six wins that you need. So that is a positive that I think you can take. What if this team a year older, a year more under the system, just figures it out a little quicker, and then in the upcoming moments that will be like a Maryland last year or a Purdue or a Rutgers, that they just win one of those. My fear is that the Indiana game was one of those. And I don't want this to continue because UTSA, Purdue, Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana, starting to become a trend. This early in a coaching tenure, I'm not worried about that being the norm because I still think you're kind of cleaning things up and detoxifying maybe a little bit. But I think in many other ways, this is Bielema's program already, given the nature of transfers, given the nature of how many veterans are on the team that clearly bought everything he's selling. So I I think that the turnaround has to start now. It has to start against Virginia. A couple quotes from Bielema about Virginia, and then I, I got my prediction and I'm going to make a fool of myself, perhaps. Virginia offense, says Bielema, it's kind of a tale of two cities offensively. Their quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, is a very talented left-handed quarterback. So it's tough to simulate a left-handed thrower. He was a very impressive guy. Up front, they have a lot of guys making their first starts. They've got a lot of transition on the offensive line. At the wide receiver and running back position, you have guys who have played 30-plus games. 32, 34, 36, 25, 28. It's a lot of experience at the running back and wide receiver positions and tight end. Virginia's going to score. How much? Can the defense somehow keep Virginia around 24? I think that's kind of the magic number. If you keep them around 24, you give yourselves a pretty good chance to win. Because, as Bielma says about the defense here, defensively, they're a completely different kind of form uh, from where they were a year ago under Coach Mendenhall and his background and what they ran. There is some carryover, but you can see the things they're doing are different from what they did a year ago. We know we're going to get great improvement from their units from game one to game two. A tremendous challenge to come in here. Excited for our guys. I think they're going to have a good week of preparation, blah, 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 blah. A challenge to come back as late as we did, play as many snaps as we did, hydration, fatigue, and all that stuff factors into it, but we'll get them back this week, and I'll be very surprised. It continues. Uh, that, that, I think, is after that. I have a dot, dot, dot is when he mentioned, for those who come to the game Saturday, you're going to see a very motivated football team, maybe. 
that was a nice way of being saying there's a lot of unproven commodities on the Virginia defense and that you should score. You should have scored more against Indiana. And I think the Indiana and Virginia defenses are probably on par. Indiana's is probably a little bit better. And Tom Allen has more of a pedigree back there, despite not returning a lot of stars. So with that in mind, I mentioned 24 points giving up on defense to Virginia. That is sort of a benchmark to me because I think you're going to get more than 24 points. I think you're going to punch it in a little bit more. You see Caleb Griffin make a big kick late. I hope that there's a carryover effect there. It's a shame it didn't count for kind of a game-winning kick or a game-sealing kick. But alas, he made it. 47-48 yarder. It was impressive. So with that in mind, I am hoping, very much hoping, that the defense can just be good. And against Virginia, that's like 24 points or less. And that the offense just punches it in more. Uh, I'm going to shoot myself for this. Uh, I think Illinois wins in just that way that college football is weird. And there's not a lot in my gut that says, yes, they're going to come back and they're going to win. But we know how this goes in early season games. Illinois has seen this very much when they are the opposing Power 5 team going on the road to UNC, to Washington, to Virginia last year. Typically doesn't go well. Virginia is older on offense, so I think they will get points. But similar to, let's say, the 0-2 Illini, you know, granted, they didn't return Kurt Kittner, but they returned all their skill players for the most part. They returned a pretty darn good offense, and then early that season, if you recall, there was a game at Southern Miss that they lost. Southern Miss. God, what a crap year that was. All that to say, the first road game is tough for anybody. I think Virginia's got so many holes on defense, or at least question marks. And the Illinois offense started to show against Indiana that they're pretty good. I think, honestly, this offense is probably good. They just didn't punch the damn ball in. And hopefully Barry Lunny learned in goal line stand situations or in other red zone opportunity situations, you got to punch it in and maybe get more creative than just running it up the gut which cost them the game, among many other things. I'll make this prediction. Illinois 28, Virginia 24. 28-24. It would be a solid win. It wouldn't cover, according to Vegas, but a win is a win. And frankly, they need it. They need to win this game. If we're going to talk bowl game, if you want to keep people interested, they have to win. They just have to. Early... You guys mentioned in the text thread that the Chattanooga game, maybe get a few more people there. I think on a Thursday night, it's going to be tough regardless. I'm even debating. We're going to Nashville the next day. I'm debating, okay, I might just watch it on TV. No matter what happens against Virginia. But at least if you beat Virginia, that can be a feel-good Thursday night to get to 3-1. and one, And then you get a bye week, right? Is that right? Uh, well, okay, the bye week technically is next week. But it, it sets up nicely because you play Saturday, then a Thursday 11, 12 days later, and then another 10 days later, you play at Wisconsin. It breaks it up nice. And you go into Wisconsin 3-1 and one with no one expecting anything, but you know at worst case, you would be 3-2 and two with Iowa coming to town. You know, And that, that's something you can live with. That, that would be exciting. Not as exciting as 4-1 and one would have been, but if you would have asked me coming into the season, what record do you need after the first four to feel pretty good? It'd be 3-1. and one. And I figured there'd be a slip. Indiana or Virginia, there'd be a slip. And even my seven and five prognostications might have factored that in. Okay, so you slipped. Don't do it again. Because one and two with Chattanooga coming to town is not a recipe for a home environment worth a damn. 7.30 on a Thursday night, on a school night. Which, by the way, I don't know who whose idea it was to make that a TV game. The exposure you get on TV on a Thursday night against Chattanooga... 
come on. Silly. Not smart, unless it was mandated by the Big Ten. But God, please, just, just win Saturday. I don't care how. It will go a long way in keeping people, maybe not on board, but interested, even if they're from afar. If you lose to Virginia, it's going to take a lot to pull them back in, like a big win at home against Iowa or a win on the road against Wisconsin. And I'm sorry, the recent history of that series does not suggest, 2019 aside, that you have any chance up there. So Alani Brickle, the Big Ten flexed us. Interesting. So the Big Ten did it for TV. Man, a Friday night, I understand. A Thursday is just tough against Chattanooga. But the good news for me is we, we decided, okay, great. We had an open weekend. So we're going to Nashville. Never been. I'm excited for that. All right. We have an update on the game day experience. We talked about this last week. This is from the press release from the DIA. After a thorough review of football game day operations at Memorial Stadium, the following changes will be made to improve patron experiences. One, at the five portal entrances around Memorial Stadium, additional scanners will be assigned and security bag checks will be separated from express slash ADA lines to help the flow move faster. That's a good first step. Number two, signage at each entrance will direct patrons to the correct lines. Patrons without bags to check will now be able to move through the express slash ADA security lines without being delayed by those requiring a bag search. Excellent. Number three, um, <laughs> DIA continues to recruit game, game day staff, so they're looking for people. I get it. You know, that's the uh, economic reality right now. People are just chilling, I guess. And there's less people that are willing to do that. It's much more of, I don't know, semi-retired people would do something like this. They also mentioned getting registered student organizations that are interested in fundraising opportunities. So that's a good way to reach out. Patrons are encouraged to download the mobile tickets. Smart, which you should do anyways, but that is a relatively new thing with sporting events and concerts. Patrons are encouraged to enter Memorial Stadium early to avoid possible long lines. Eh, but I'll keep going. Memorial Stadium opens to general public 90 minutes to kickoff, prior to kickoff. Premium seating patrons can enter two hours prior to kickoff. This is, this is good. The dramatic new team entrance to the field, the marching Illini pregame performance, and lack of waiting in line to enter are sure to make this a popular decision. Pregame festivities begin 25 minutes prior to kickoff. Well, there's a lot 31 guy. That ain't going to happen. Though, in fairness... I think it was 20 minutes before kickoff against Wyoming that we started making our way to the line. So not that far off. I honestly think if it's only going to be 35,000 people in through the turnstiles, which is probably accurate, come on. You should be able to walk right in. Anyways, I understand when they're trying to get people in there for the marching Illini, and this is the next big nugget. A lot of people are excited about this. Fireworks salutes will be shot off as 60-minute and 25-minute warnings prior to kickoff to encourage tailgaters to make their way to Memorial Stadium. Okay, cool. Been wondering what happened to the fireworks, and by popular demand, fireworks are returning to the game day experience of the Fighting Illini team entrance to the field and when the Illini score. Cool. All right, this is big. Additional water stations will be available to aid in less congestion at the primary concession stands. This includes an emphasis on more water locations in the East Stands, Horseshoe, and North student sections. In addition to added free coolers of water, there will be three added sales locations for only bottles of water. As a reminder, patrons may continue to carry clear, empty plastic bottles or sealed plastic water bottles into Memorial Stadium. Yeah, which is what, what my dad and I do, and you can take the big leader ones if you want to as well. Oh, they need to be clear, though to be allowed through security large water cooler stations have been added in five locations 
Additional shuttle routes will be added on Turtle Top buses from Research Park in the east parking lots. And that's the big one. Oh, here's one. AT&T indicated they'd be on campus to enhance their data tower next to Memorial Stadium. Verizon also has a data tower located next to Memorial Stadium to serve its customers. As a Verizon customer, you wouldn't know it. I thought before of doing a live from Lot 31 200 level on Twitch, but I wouldn't get enough service for it. So, ugh, darn it. We'll see how they do. I, I hope it goes smoothly. I will probably not be engaging in any of the entering or exiting Memorial Stadium, but you guys let me know how that goes. All right, before we get out of here, week two matchups in the Big Ten. Arkansas to Ohio State, 44-point spread. Yeah, take your pick on that one. Duke at Northwestern. These two teams seemingly play each other all the time. Northwestern, 10-point favorites and likely to start 2-0. God, is this going to be another one of those years? Thank you, Scott Frost, for getting Northwestern off to a good start. You bum. Ohio at Penn State. Penn State, 24.5-point favorites. Don't know how good Ohio is. I don't know if Frank Solich is still there or not. Western Illinois at Minnesota. So Minnesota just doing the Glenn Mason thing. Play a bunch of scrubs and start off 3-0. Maryland at Charlotte. Maryland, 27.5-point favorites. Washington State at Washington, 17.5-point spread in favor of Wisconsin at home. Akron at Michigan State, snooze fest. Indiana State at Purdue, snooze fest. Here we go. Iowa State at Iowa, 3.5-point spread. The prediction I got from this website here, what did I? which website did I use? Oh, College Football News, yeah. They had 16-13. to 13. We'll see if the over-under, what is the over-under? 41 is the over-under. Under, right? Virginia at Illinois. Illinois, five-point favorites. That, along with Iowa State, Iowa, Indiana State, and Purdue, and Akron at Michigan State. Those are all three o'clock games. Virginia at Illinois is ESPNU. Hmm. All right, prediction, Virginia 26, Illinois 24, according to College Football News. Five-point Illinois uh, spread, or I should say their favorites by five points. I got 28-24, not quite covering. Wagner. At Rutgers. Is it Wagner or Wagner? Either way, Rutgers will probably smoke them. I don't even know where Wagner or Wagner is. Or Wagner. Whichever. Who cares? Georgia Southern at Nebraska. Wow. Scott Frost. Really? 22-point spread. They're going to win that, I would assume. Hawaii at Michigan. How about that? Michigan right now, 50-point favorites. And then Idaho at lowly Indiana. But not as low as Illinois in the Big Ten standings. That is a uh, That was like a 30-point spread. Something like that. In other words, not a very good week. Actually, Illinois-Virginia might be one of the more exciting games on the docket. And I think it will be a halfway decent game. I think these two teams will put up some points. Who makes the fewest mistakes? I hope Illinois learned their lesson in that regard. And if they do play a clean game, I think they get the win. That's just the weirdness of college football, the benefit of playing at home and not having to travel. And then you set yourselves up to go 3-1, and one, at which point, okay, we're still invested, right? We're still on board. But gosh darn it, last last week took a lot of wind out of the sails. I hope they can do something to get it back. And it would take more than the Virginia game, but the first step is they must beat Virginia, period. Anything less, and I'll be back Sunday. Her. I don't know if angry will even be it. Because if I'm at the tailgate all day, how can I be that angry? But disappointed, absolutely. It's like a parent says, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. All right, well, I tell you what, we're going to wrap things up here on this Wednesday, Tuesday evening. And... Yeah, we're only a few days away. I love these short 
Labor Day weeks because if you got a game that following Saturday, it feels like you got to wait less and less time to get there. And after a loss, the shorter the wait time, the better. So we'll see how it goes. Again, I'll be at Lot 31 if you want to come say hi. Basically, the 50-yard line by Oak Street. Going to have an Illini and a green Michigan State flag. That will be how you can spot us. So come say hi if you see us out there in Lot 31. And I'll probably be staying there through the game. we got a big old TV that we'll have on with the game. Fortunately, a friend has Google Fi. Verizon wouldn't do it. I don't know if AT&T would do it, but the Google Fi worked last year in the lot. So we'll give that a shot. Fingers crossed it works. Otherwise, I might have to go into the game. Ooh. All right. Hey, got to thank our sponsors, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, business lunches, late night calzones, whatever it may be, dpdoe.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior projects, these guys are the best at what they do. Get a free quote today at rectorconstruction.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. He is tremendous at what he does. Just experienced that myself with the new insurance card. They whipped it around just super quick. Uh, not surprised, though, because Brian is my guy. He should be your guy as well. Brianismyguy.com. Finally, um, Dogtown Heating and Air. They're a newest sponsor. As we get into colder months, get a furnace check today. Mention the 200 level. You will get 6% off of your furnace check. 6% why? Because they think Illinois will win at least six games and go to a bowl game. I'm still with them on the six. Lose against Virginia. Maybe we need to make that 5% after that Dogtown. We'll, we'll talk about I'll talk to Cody over there and see what he thinks. All right. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, Twitch friends. Thank you guys for stopping by on a weekday night. We will be back Sunday, and I hope to God with good news. And I'll maybe have to do it earlier because the Bears start Sunday. I don't have high expectations, but by all accounts, they had a serviceable preseason. They seem to be playing fundamentally sound football. What the heck? And they're going to have an awesome new facility in Arlington Heights, which I'm excited about because getting Soldier Field is a pain in the butt. They need a retractable roof stadium and maybe some someday down the road, a final four in Chicago where Illinois can have a big time home court advantage. I could see it. I could see it. But yeah, Bears start Sunday. So we'll probably get our podcast in at 1030 or 11 on Sunday morning. Same bat time, same bat channel on Twitch until YouTube gets back to me. So thanks for tuning in, whether it be on Twitch YouTube, where we post the video, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can rate and review us wherever you listen, that'd be a big help as well. In the meantime, have a great rest of your week. See you Saturday in the lots if you want to come say hi. Alana and Michigan State flag. And until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level.